Hey, just a couple things, man. Today's going to be a very special day. We have enjoyed our time of our offering, and we've enjoyed our time of worship. But uh, I've asked Renee to help me speak this morning on do hard things. And we got this week, and then we got next week, and we'll be done with this, this series. I have loved this series, this do hard things series, really speaking into our spirits of like we are called to do hard things. And even as we're worshiping this morning, you know, when things don't go your way, do you still claim that God is good and that God knows what he's doing? You have a plan and then that plan changes and you know that God changed that plan or maybe things were going right and then something took place that you didn't expect to take place. Maybe it was a tragedy. Maybe it was just a different season of life that you had expected. And man, we don't want to ever doubt God and we don't want to come to a point in our spirit to say God missed it. God doesn't ever fail and he never misses the mark ever. God is perfect and he is faithful and he is loyal. And please let, let us not lead by our flesh to say, well, God, I planned it this way or I was praying this way and didn't go my way. Therefore, God, you missed this. God never misses. God never late and he never fails. And this morning I've asked Renee, I said, would you, would you help me preach this message? She's going to do most of speaking and I'm going to do most of listening. I don't know if that's how your house goes, man, but I'm just saying, <laughs> hey, amen. I'm just <laughs> Let's go. We started early. Let's get on this. Amen. But anyways, um, we are going to be speaking on Mary, truly the mother of Christ. And just could you imagine that hard thing? Could you imagine that she had a plan for her life and that got flipped upside down and got crazy? And how hurtful and how broken and how sorrowful and what a life that was filled with moments of wow and a life that was filled with a lot of sorrow and a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness and a lot of grief. And I, and I can't speak from a mother's point of view. Moms can speak from a mother's point of view. And I'm so proud of my bride and I love my wife. We've been married for 29 years. It'll be 30 years, October 16th. I am 54 and she is not. So it's amazing. And uh, she, she's so much younger than I am. She's so much younger than me. It's amazing. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, honestly, when the Lord called us to start a church in our living room, you know, we were blessed with Brennan and Teresa, and we were blessed with many people who are still even in this room today that you started with us in 2009, that you have seen the journey. You've seen what God is doing. You believe, if you're with us long, you really understand, man, we are still like in the second inning here. Like God has got a huge plan. As long as the Lord would tarry and Jesus doesn't return in uh, any time soon, I do believe. I believe he could come any time. I believe he could come by the end of the day. But I believe that we're at the beginning part of Believer's Chapel and what God has plans for this ministry and for this church. And we are so appreciative, so many who are in this room today that started in our living room with us. And with that, man, church, we are a family. You belong to a family. And Renee and I have three amazing children. Uh, Renee has sacrificed so much as mothers do. I met her at Edinburgh University first day. I met my wife, and the reality is she went through four years of college, got her degree, um, and she got out of college. We got married, and she was like, I don't want to do anything with a career. Uh, I want to raise my children. We got pregnant with Carter about four years into our marriage, and she's like, Sean, I don't want to work anymore. I don't need to be home. At that point, you're kind of set up financially, right? I was a police officer, not making the greatest money at the time, and uh, I'm like, honey, are you, you sure about that? Because you bring in some money and we kind of need it. And honestly, and I'm, that conversation was literally about a two-minute conversation. And she's like, no, I just know that God has called me to be home and I will raise my children. And honestly, it was about two minutes going, okay, I will work three jobs. I will do whatever necessary because you were called to be home. And just the sacrifice of just moms, you know this, you work twice as hard at home than you do anywhere else. And we, we honor moms in just your hard work and what you do at home. And uh, Renee's a testimony to that. And I said, honey, I need you to, to speak this message on Mary from a mother's point of view of how hard it must have been in these different pieces to this story. The very beginning, kind of crazy. And the end was kind of crazy. 
And I know I want Renee to kind of speak into that and the reality of what a mom must have gone through. And to all of us, like it speaks to us men as well. And what God has called us to do is, is, is a hard thing that maybe we had a plan. I had a plan to just be a cop for the rest of my life. You're going to have to pull me out in a wheelchair. I chased down somebody in a wheelchair, still be faster than them. I, I was, nothing was going to stop me. Like I loved it and I still do it part time and I love it. I truly love it. But God changed the plans on me. Sometimes God changes the plan. And either you, you receive or you reject. And that's what today is, to do the hard thing. At all costs. Maybe it didn't go your way. But God still has a plan. And that God makes no mistakes. Come on, beautiful. Let me just pray for you. And let's rip. Come on. Father, I thank you so much for this day. This is the day you have made. And we shall rejoice and be glad in this day. I thank you for Miss Renee. Bless her as she speaks today from words of your truth. Jesus, we honor you. We are a Bible church. We know your word is alive and powerful, and we thank you for your word. Jesus, we honor you. Christ, you are the center of our attention. Your word is truth, and we will receive your word today, and I pray that it challenges all of us in Jesus' precious name. Come on, amen? Amen. What do you got, beautiful? What do you got? Good morning. Good morning. Everybody. <laughs> it's good to see you all this morning. And, you know, like Sean said, um, we uh, started Believer's Chapel in our home. And um, so, you know, when God just impressed upon us that he was calling us out to, you know, just begin Believer's Chapel and just to um, be faithful to that calling, you know, our kids were little, and at the time, Ethan was three, and I always say, you know, it stretched our family in just a million different ways. And, you know, just to open your home on a Sunday morning, and it's early, and, you know, Ethan would always jump in my arms when people started coming, believe it or not. It's amazing. He's, like, way taller than me now. But he used to jump up in my arms, and I used to hold him on my hip the whole time because he was like, what is happening? Why are all these people in my house? He was a three-year-old, you know? And if you can just imagine, you know, just him trying to adjust to, okay, mom and dad are doing this thing, you know? And it stretched us as well. It was a hard thing for us, honestly, you know? And when Sean was speaking of, you know, just his calling of pastoring, I was all, let's go, let's do it. But then when the day came to do it, I was like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he left the police department and we went full speed ahead into the ministry, into Believer's Chapel. And so that was um, just a big, big stretching for us. You know, it was you know, us just relying on God and having faith to believe that this is what God wants to do. And that was, you know, a lot of courage and just relying on the Lord to show us which way to go. And it's and with that, we have our children in ministry. Like we have three kids. We've got Carter and uh, he has served this ministry faithfully for years. His lovely wife, Katie, uh, married to an amazing woman. And she has served this church in many different departments here in this church. Our daughter, Olivia, who you see every week, on stage, she married an amazing man, Nathan, and he serves this church. And it's just great to have your family in the church and serving and loving and following Christ and being so in love with Jesus. And we see Ethan just serving the Lord in many different directions here in this church as well and just staying close to Christ and following Christ. This is a family event, and God has put his hand on this church, and we are so grateful, truly so thankful for you as a part of this family. You belong here. You're a big piece to this house. You're part of this family as brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got a big job to do to, to really walk in a manner right and worthy of the Lord in this crazy, crazy generation that we live in that is so lost and so broken and so confused on so many different levels. Uh, next week, don't miss next week. Next week, I close out, do hard things with a message called salt ain't silent and light don't hide, right? Salt ain't silent and light don't hide. It is a message to the church. It's a message to the believer that we need to be salt and we need to be light. And what did Jesus mean by that? And uh, it, it's going to be one of them, wow, let's run through a wall together. Ah, let's go like warrior-like. Let's chew, let's chew nails and let's go after uh, the craziness of this world uh, for the sake of salt and light. And salt means to stop decay. What are we doing to stop this crazy decay 
of those who are going after children in such a hard way. There's so much that we're going to rip next week. Don't miss next week, man. We're going to fire it up. It's going to be uh, power packed. Come on, beautiful. Where are we going, baby? Let's so go. So we're going to go to Luke 1, verse 26. And I just want to mention that, you know, the world has wrapped up this as a Christmas story. But this is such a powerful testament and example of the way that Mary and Joseph received their calling and they stepped into obedience and it was a great sacrifice for them. And, you know, it's just interesting, like, I just want you to be able to see this with just different eyes today, that it's not just a Christmas story. It's not just a cute, these are real people. These people, this is recorded history. This, this happened. This is real. This was a miracle of miracles. And, you know, I just want you to keep that in your mind. We're blessed. We have um, just been so blessed to have our children here with us. And that is my highest calling is being a mom. I'm just humbled to speak on it. But, amen. So Luke 1, 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age and has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So I just want to look at the word behold, which is down in verse 38. And it says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And when I looked up the word behold, I love to go into the Greek. And, you know, you can search out just where the roots of these words come from. And behold means to see spiritually. So Mary, in a sense, was saying, behold, I see I'm seeing spiritually that I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. She just said yes right away. She said, behold. In this word, it just, you know, when I see it, I, I just wonder why is the word behold there? It's not a word that we actually use today. And so when I looked it up, it says to see spiritually with the mind. And so she accepted the call right away. The angel spoke to her, and she accepted the call. And when Sean was speaking a few weeks ago about Zacharias and Elizabeth, um, you know, this was interesting that he had an angel appear to him, Zacharias, and he was in a way in unbelief. And he said, how is this possible? Because we are old, and we are old. We, we, my wife is in old age, and this is you know, this is, huh, this cannot happen. And so his unbelief, you know, God said that I'm going to make you mute. For the whole entire pregnancy, he could not say a word. He was mute because his unbelief, it says in the Bible. And so when we see here that Mary, she accepted her assignment right away. This was a stretching on her part, you know, it was going to take her out of her comfort zone. She was um, betrothed to Joseph. So in this time and season in their culture, being betrothed was a written agreement. They had a certificate that they were betrothed together. It was like being married, but they were not consummated the marriage yet. They were not together. And so, but it was a binding agreement in that time and season, in that day. So when the angel came to her and said that you are going to conceive of the Holy Spirit and you're going to have the Son of God, Jesus, you're going to bring birth to this child, 
you know, this was a circumstance where it's like, whoa, I, I'm engaged to Joseph. I'm engaged right now, and this is just a huge undertaking. I'm getting ready for my wedding. I'm preparing myself. But here we see that she is ready to receive the Lord. And we know that she was a Jewish girl, and she was a young woman who would know the Holy Scripture from the Old Testament. So she would be fully aware of the prophecies that were in the Old Testament that a virgin would conceive. And I believe that she was had a hunger for God, I believe, because of her response. And we're going to go to verse 46. And Mary um, said, it says in verse 46, Luke 1, 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And so when we just look at these words, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I look up the word soul, and it's just like, I had so much fun actually studying this and diving into this. I actually picked apart many of the words, and I went to the Greek, and it will, like, I challenge each of you, if you want to, go dive into it. You're going to, your mind will be blown of all the things that God put in this, just one section, which he puts in every, every word, every dot and every tittle, right? It's like, these words, every word has some kind of meaning and purpose. It's not, it's just there, um, not just there for it to be there, it has such meaning and purpose. So the word soul, um, when I looked it up in the Greek, it, it it's, comes from the root word psyche, like psychology, psyche, and it's um, your distinct identity, and it's who you are, and, and how you find yourself, and what you identify with, and, and really all of us as believers, our identity is meant to be in Christ. And this is where people kind of get caught up with identity, where they think that the job they do, the title they have, the letters after their names are their identity. But actually here, it's soul is your distinct identity. And as believers in Christ, our identity is in Christ Jesus. As you are a believer, you are saved by grace. You are supposed to just identify with Jesus, and that is who you are. And just speaking with people, I know a lot of people are going through, like, different changes in their lives, and things have changed, you know. Your vocation can change, which Sean has said many times, where, you know, you start out and you're, you know, for instance, I was a daughter first. I'm a sister. I was a friend. I was a mother. I was a high schooler. I was an athlete. I was a college student. Then I worked and I, you know, worked for a cell phone company. Then I go, I work at a bank. And all of these titles, 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 you can get lost in your identity. But Christ is calling us to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And that is who you are called to be. And so I love how when Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. She didn't say that my soul magnifies the Lord and I'm now the mother of Jesus and I'll be his mother and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the wife to Joseph and all of these other things. Her praise to God was who she knew in her heart and soul. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is to love yourself and to love others. That is the number one commandment. And it's amazing that, you know, when I think of her mature response here, that she's going to magnify the Lord. She's just gotten news that she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, guys. It's not like normal. She's the first one in all of history and the last one in all of history to ever have this happen to her. And she didn't dwell on the difficulties or the discomforts of what would come to her. She just magnified the Lord. And the example that she set for us is that when things come to us is that, okay, I'm going to magnify the Lord through this. My heart and my soul, I rejoice in, the, in God, my Savior. She even here, you know, says that God is her Savior. She knows she has a need for a Savior. It's not like you know, she's this extra special person. In fact, they came from such humble, humble places, Mary and Joseph. It says that they gave a turtle dove as an offering, and I forgot to say that earlier, but they didn't even have the special, like, proper offering. They were very humble people. 
And that's the other thing. No matter what the circumstances are in your life, wherever you grew up, whatever your childhood was, wherever you came from, it doesn't matter. Your circumstances do not determine your destiny. God is calling all of us to a certain destiny, and it's specific to you. But you have to know your identity, that you are just found in Christ, and that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And I just love how she was ready for this. And in her response, I just feel like it's not like she knew this was going to happen to her, but she was prepared and she was ready. And that's what God is saying to each and every one of us. Get ready. Get ready. I am about to stretch you. I am about to enlarge you. I am about to do something here. And that is the message throughout all of the Bible, that we do things that we cannot do. The Bible says without Christ, you can do nothing. Apart from him, you can do nothing. And that is what we have to come to, is humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God to understand, God, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to do in my life? And... Um, so she says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And when I looked up humbled, it says that you are God-reliant rather than self-reliant. You are God-reliant. You are trusting God for every circumstance in your life. You are not self-reliant. And that is another thing that trips all of us up. We want to be self-reliant. We want to be independent. We want to be, you know, strong. And we want to do what, you know, we think that we should do. But God is calling you to do something that actually may um, have never been done before, and you have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and that takes you being God-reliant instead of self-reliant. So I want to go, um, I, I have to say also that in verse 39, it says that um, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and so this was Zacharias and Elizabeth that Sean had already spoke of earlier, and, you know, she's going to their house to just be with Elizabeth, tell her the news, and these are two miracles of supernatural birth happening at the same time. You know, Elizabeth is in her old age. She is past the menopause stage, and God has given her the gift of life. And now Mary is a virgin, and she has, by the Holy Spirit, been implanted with the seed of human life, and now she's going to go, and she's going to have confirmation from Elizabeth, who is going to just encourage her, and that when... When even Mary came to Elizabeth, it says that the baby jumped in her womb. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and that she encouraged Mary. And Mary had confirmation that she was also part of this miraculous birth that was going to happen. And it wasn't an easy thing. It, it's just not an easy thing as much as you want to, you know, think about, like, how they actually felt as people, normal people. So I want to show you in Matthew 1 where now Joseph is going to be visited by an angel as well. And it says in Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So he also knew, I believe, that he was a Jewish man. He knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. It says that all of these things would fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. But one thing I want you to see is that this is not an easy thing for Joseph. Joseph was engaged to Mary, and then he was even in the first part says he was going to consider that he was going to just put, instead of putting her to shame, resolve to divorce her quietly. So when the, this was, you know, when he, she had come back three months after she visited Elizabeth, actually. So now three months, she is found. The word here is found. And it's not even like she didn't come to Joseph and say something like, hey, guess what? The Holy Spirit is, you know, just told me I'm pregnant. An angel came to me. She didn't even say it to him. And I don't know if he would have been able to even believe it. Like, what would he have done? What would he have said? But it says that when she came back and they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. That means she was starting to show. And he, she probably walked up to him and here now she is found to be with this child. And he's like, huh? What, what is happening? You know? And the thing is, 
It was going to be a hard thing for Joseph to believe, but praise God, he sent an angel to Joseph as well to tell him, listen, don't fear, don't be afraid, but you're going to take Mary as your wife, and it's from the Holy Spirit. And had he known from Mary, you know, Mary ran to tell Elizabeth, and this is where she found comfort, and she went and told a person who was already experiencing the same thing that she was dealing with, and that is where she found comfort and understanding that sometimes when God puts something in your spirit that he's telling you to do, you can't just go and tell, you know, well, you have to tell someone that you trust and you know that they're going to be able to receive it as well. Like everyone doesn't encourage you in what the Lord is putting on your heart to do, whether it's ministry or whatever it is in your heart. You have to go to somebody who's going to rejoice with you. And that's what we see here that, you know, he needed an angel too. And what would he have said, you know? I mean, Sean and I sometimes say, you know, if someone's like, in a situation, and it's crazy, you know, run, run away, like, you know, you might not want to, like, stay with this person that, you know, you are actually dating or whatever, but praise God, he received the message, and he was obedient, and it's amazing that, you know, he was a carpenter, and he had things going on, and things that he was doing as well in his life, and this interrupted both of their lives in a crazy way, crazy way that God, only God could do. And um, I just want to um, go and look at a quote that I had uh, read in a book, and it was called, it, the book is called Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. And it's by Paula Ferris, and she um, was on Good Morning America as an anchor woman and also on The View for a season and some things in her life just came to, um, she had health problems and some things came and happened and it was a wake up call. She found herself in the hospital and she was facing some medical challenges and it was like where God just said, knock, knock, knock. I'm here. And she said that she made a decision that God had, you know, called her to something else. That her position, her vocation, wasn't exactly where she should find her identity. And it just says, um, I just want to read this one part. It says, I was deriving so much pleasure from my vocational calling. I never asked God whether I was actually pleasing him or the way I was working. Um, hold on one second. I just lost it. Um, it says... I never stopped to ask why God brought me into the field of journalism. And if I had my guess, most of you don't know the why of your vocational calling either. And then according to a 2014 Gallup poll of more than 1,000 participants, over 55% of American workers say they gain their identity from their job. And among college graduates, the number is even higher at 70%. But you don't need a Gallup poll to tell you that American workers highly identify with their careers and just, they, they highly identify with their careers and they don't question the why. You know, what do you do for a living? What do you do? What, what is the why? And so through this, it was just such a blessing because, you know, you are in a job and you do a job, but what you do is not your identity. So I just remember when, um, you know, Sean was mentioning that I had a conviction that I needed to stay home with my kids, and it was a strong conviction, like I knew in my spirit. It wasn't like anyone could change my mind. And so I felt like God was calling me to just be home with my kids. And actually, when I think back, you know, I, I praise God that my mom was a stay-at-home mom. You know, she did small things. And a generation ago, I have to say that all of the friends that were close to me growing up and the families that I grew up with, all the moms were home. And I just had that thought, you know. I didn't mention that in the first service, but all the moms were home. That's like one generation ago. And... So, you know, for me, it was kind of like a gift and just kind of a natural almost um, 
progression where I was like, I've seen that done, and I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And we just know that God provided in many different ways for us when, you know, I decided to stay home and be with my children, you know. And so um, we just know that God is, he calls us to things that are impossible. You know, in, in here we see that nothing will be impossible with God. And when God calls you, it's, it's not of you. It's not like what you can do by yourself. It's what something God wants to do that's special for you and something amazing. And it's going to take grace and it's going to take perseverance and it's going to take him showing you a different way. And it's a way that you've never been before probably. And it's going to take you and you're going to have to trust like you've never trusted before. It's going to be a stretching out. Just like when Mary was pregnant with this baby before it was born, you know, she, her skin is stretched to the max. She is with child and it's a feeling that you're uncomfortable, you know, and it's not, it's not like you, you can, um, do anything for God unless really you're uncomfortable sometimes. You know, when he calls you out, you're going to feel like a lot of stretching. You're going to feel like, okay, this might be countercultural. I think everything that we do as believers has to be countercultural. Like, if all the masses, the majority are doing it, you better go the other way because God's ways are not the world's ways, and we know that for sure. So you have to get ready to be uncomfortable and expectant as God is going to stretch wide your tent, right? He's going to enlarge your territory. He wants to do great things, and it's going to be you know, just having that spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation that you find in the word. And you have to fully surrender, you know, and it's going to be an identity shift for a lot of people. But God, I feel like, is moving and he's doing something, something wonderful. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think that, like, when you look at Mary and you look at the realization of the angel coming to, to Joseph, like, Jesus puts right in there, like, through the writing of the scripture, like, this is a prophecy that they knew was being fulfilled. They knew Isaiah 7, 14. They walked in a way to know the Old Testament. Could you imagine being in their shoes going, wow, this is, this is us. Like, God's put his hand of favor on us. We're the ones called to be. Mary, you're that one. You're, you're, that, you're that virgin that was prophesied 700 years ago. Like, this is the time. Like, this is now. Like, God knew what he was doing in calling Mary to be the mother of Jesus, to go through this whole crazy season of life upside down and sideways, that now is the time. You got to remember, like, you know, that 400 years period of silence when the angel first came to Zechariah, and then the second encounter was with Mary. Mary, this is the time, and Mary, you're the one. Like, there are times... I'm not saying to a level of Mary and a virgin birth by any means, but I'm saying there are times that God will do in our lives that is the most unexpected timing. When God called me to ministry, I was on my A-game as an officer. I was on the SWAT team. I was doing some undercover things, and I loved, I loved, loved every inch of work. Most unexpected time to say it's time to leave. And Renee was speaking, there are times that the world will question what you're doing. And I'm telling you, I had some of the closest friends in uniform and in, in the police force still to this day. I love my friends from OPD. And they're like, what are you doing? What do you mean you're going to leave to go into ministry, to start a church? Like, what are you, what are you doing? In a way of not saying trying to talk me out of this, but very much questioning, going, you're here and you've got everything you want in this department. What are you doing? Like, it will come at times in the most unexpected moments of life where you know that God has called you to rearrange and that God has called you to do the hard thing. Knowing, fulfilling the 700-year prophecy after 400 years of silence, Mary, you're the one. Mary, you're the one. In church, we know that she was a young teenager, anywhere between 13 to 16. That's crazy. 13 to 16. Be it done to me. According to your word. She knew that she was that one. She knew that she was the one assigned by God Almighty, the creator of the heaven and the earth, that they had a holy, healthy fear of God. 
to simply just say, okay, I accept. And then when Jesus is born on the eighth day, after he's born, they take him to the temple to be dedicated. And there's this priest that's in the temple named Simeon, and he's in this temple. And the Lord spoke to Simeon and said, you will not die until you see the Messiah come. And Mary shows up with the Messiah in arms. Imagine the time of celebration and the time of excitement where Simeon's now there to dedicate baby Jesus who is fully God and fully man and there's mom Mary and dad Joseph and, and Renee was like, they, they were poor, they were humble by means, they didn't have anything, they had to offer two turtle doves for sacrifice for that and Simeon said this to Mary. You could imagine as a mom being so full of rejoicing and Simeon says this, he is a sign for the rise and the fall of many that he will be opposed. Your son is going to be rejected and your son is going to be hated. Because she knew Isaiah 53. She knew Isaiah 50, verse 6, where the, the, he would have his back ripped apart and his face, by his facial hair, be shredded from his face. She knew Isaiah 53 that he would be pierced through. She, she knew all of that. She knew, could you imagine reading, going back and revisiting, knowing, okay, I'm, woo, this is a Messiah. I know that they're saying, where's Isaiah 52? Oh, wow. Um, like he will be unrecognizable as a human being. Knowing all that and then going to dedicate Jesus. And the priest looks at her and said, Mary, look at me. Watch, 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 Mary. I need your attention. It's going to be as if your very own soul is pierced. Mary, this is going to be a hard road. Mary, your life is going to be filled with moments that are going to be amazing. The Bible says that there are moments that she stood in awe at her son and just pondered these things. And Simeon said, Mary, there's going to be moments that are going to be filled with sorrow and filled with grief. It will be painful for you. what does that look like in some of the moments of that, of truly of that pain? You know, being a mom and, you know, um, just looking at Mary's pain is just indescribable, really. And, you know, up in Luke 2.52, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And that is something that I always pray over my own kids that they would grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. And it's such a positive verse, you know? And so, like, I'm like, this is amazing. They're going to grow in favor. They're going to have favor. They're going to be, you know, they're growing in wisdom. Like, things are great. And then I remember Jesus. And the Bible says that he was mocked. He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was rejected by man. But at the same time, it says he's growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And then I realize, okay, everything is just not always great, right? I mean, it, it can be, but there are seasons where, you know, just like Mary went through the ultimate pain of watching Jesus having to carry the cross and do all these things and watch people mock him and betray him and just spit on him and just, and she knew who he was. She knew that he was the son of God. He, he had no sin. And can you imagine her pain as she watched people just totally despise Jesus? And, you know, we go through things as moms and we're praying and we're just believing for certain things for our kids. And one quote that I found is that um, rejection is God's protection. Rejection is God's protection. And when I saw that, it kind of like had me do a whole like paradigm shift. Rejection is God's protection. Just because you've been rejected doesn't mean that now like you can't do anything. Maybe, just maybe, God is protecting you. Remember like Joseph, he went through so many different seasons in his life where it looked like, you know, he was rejected, he was thrown in prison, all of these things happened to him. 
But God had such a plan for him, and you know it led him to the palace. All of the rejection, all of the rejection, it doesn't mean that God doesn't still have a plan. God still is calling each and one of all of us out to do something amazing and actually something that we can't do alone by ourselves, that each of us has an assignment. God has called each of us to do something, and we have to remember that our identity is not wrapped up in the job that you have or the title you have or that you're a mother, a father, a child, a son, a daughter. It is in Christ Jesus our Lord that we find our identity. That is your soul. That is your identity. And your steps are ordered of the Lord. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. That's why you have to be connected to the vine. You, we are the branches. He is the vine. We have to stay. We have to stay connected so that we can see clearly where we want to go. And you have to remember that it's not what you do. It's not what you do. It's who are you? Who are you? When most people say, oh, what do you do? You know, like, that's just like the common question, you know, what do you do? And then you say, I'm this, I'm that, I do this, I do that. And the question that I want you to just ask yourself today is, who are you? You were called here today. The Holy Spirit draws people into himself. He draws people here to this church, right? God's kingdom, his kingdom, his church, the Holy Spirit. We plant, we water, but God brings the increase. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus is Lord, this is your day. Actually, Jesus is calling you out to be a believer, actually to be an ambassador for him, to turn from your sin, to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus to be born again. And it's amazing that Jesus, when he was alive and doing his ministry, as he went to city after city after city, he called men out, right? He called the disciples out, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, follow me, put down the fishing net and follow me. Come on, I'm calling you, I'm calling you to something greater than what you were doing before. I'm giving you this identity that you are found in me. This is what you're called to do. And just like he called them out, it's the same today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Actually, if you're here, God is calling you. He's calling you. He's a gentleman. He's calling you out. He's calling you to be a part of a church that you would be redeemed, that you would repent, that you would, re you would turn from your sin, and that you would follow Jesus. And all you have to do is have faith as a mustard seed. And every person that is ever born, it says that eternity is set in your heart. Do you know that? Actually, you have faith as a mustard seed. You have a little bit of faith. You might say, I, have, I don't understand. I don't have any faith. I don't believe. I don't have any faith. Well, the Bible says, yes, you have faith as a mustard seed. If you could just believe that little mustard seed faith that God is going to do something that he does exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. How about that little mustard seed that you are able to believe, that you can believe, that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you can read the Bible and that, that God is just going to show you what his call for your life is. And for so long, actually, just being a mom tripped me up, I have to be honest. People would ask me, what do you do? And I'd be like, I'm just a mom. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm just a mom. But then it's like God revealed to me, Renee, this is your calling. This is your highest calling. It's not what you do. It's not that you do the laundry. It's not that you get the dishes done. You mop the floor and you do all the things and you check off the list. It's not. You are to be found in me. And if you are a single mom, if you don't have what you think you need, if you're not even a mom, God is still saying, that's not your identity anyway. Your identity is found in Christ. You're to love yourself. You're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're to love others. And so you just dive in head first. You dive in and you say, yes, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I magnify the Lord just like Mary magnified the Lord. I rejoice in God, my Savior. That is our identity. And we have to remember that that is what God is calling us out to do, that he is calling us to believe, 
to love other people and to bring other people into the kingdom, that we are his hands and feet, we are his ambassadors, that we don't even belong here, that you would believe on the Lord Jesus and then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That means you have eternal life, that your home is heaven, that actually you're going to a place that God is preparing for you, that it's an amazing place, that God has a hope and a future, and that you leave a legacy for your family, for your children and your children's children, that God wants to bring all of your family into the kingdom. And I believe that that is what God is calling us to today, that we would forget what God, what the job that you have, the, the XYZ after your name, and that you would just dive headfirst into the calling of being in Christ Jesus, my Lord, that you would receive that into your heart today. And I know uh, just talking with people, there's just so many people that wrestle with you know, I feel like my identity was that, like, I was an athlete. I was, you know, a soccer player in college, and then I'm a coach, and then I'm a wife, and I'm a mother, and then these things, they change, you know what I mean? You go through different circumstances, and then the one thing that remains is that you have been called, and that God, through his son Jesus, that is where you find your identity, that you are no longer just you know, actually the enemy just, he's just in, tells lies basically, that you're not enough, that you need to be more, that you need to be this or that. And it's not what, it's not what you do, it's who you are, that you need to fully surrender. And the Bible says, seek and you will find. It's a promise. When you seek, go seek. Open up the Bible, seek, and you will find. Not maybe, possibly, I don't know, maybe, not everyone, no. It says, seek and you will find. This is where you find your purpose. This is where you find your calling. And it's in the connection that you have with Jesus Christ. So I just believe that God is calling everyone to something today that is bigger than what you ever imagined. It's bigger than what you could ever do by yourself. And we just want to pray for you. We just want to believe that God is calling you. If you've never received Jesus into your heart, this is the day of your salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, that you would just believe on the Lord Jesus. And that if God is just stirring in your spirit today, I just wish you would just, you know, raise your hand. Just let me know. Is God stirring in anybody's heart today? Is God stirring in anybody? Like, I feel like God is calling me to something else. Like, there is something that is more that I know God wants me to do. And I am on purpose going to seek and I will find. I know I can pray. I know I can ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? Because God says there's a value in each and every single one of you. You might feel betrayed. You might feel like you're the cast out, that you aren't the one that belongs, that you feel like, you know, I don't have a purpose. But God says, no, you have something that I've deposited in you, that I want to see work out in you, and you need to trust me. You just need to trust me today. Hey, if you could bow your heads, please, for a moment. Come on, let's close this thing out. So grateful uh, for the word this morning. So thankful for Miss Renee. But listen, if, we, if you are in this place this morning and you know, man, what it is to truly be called and to do a hard thing and to know that God may have rearranged your plans as he did for Mary and as he did for Joseph. And just how hard it was for Mary to stand by that cross. John 19 tells us that Mary was at the foot of the cross. I mean, she sees her son unrecognizable as a human being on a cross. When that sword goes into his side, did she remember 33 years ago when he was eight years old, eight days old, it will be as if your very own soul is pierced. Did she remember that? And so many times I think we live in a society that tries to live by perfection. Church, I promise you Mary wasn't perfect. She didn't always have it together. Like there are times that Jesus, the son of the living God, he got broken Mary. He didn't get fully engulfed super Mary all the time. Like church, when you realize this as even as a mom or as a dad, there's times that we miss it. There's times that we blow it, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop from God's call on your life. Like when we understand Mary wasn't perfect. Mary made mistakes as the mother of the king. 
as the mother of the Son of God, she made mistakes. So many times we have to realize, God, I want to do the hard thing. And even in my mistakes and even in my brokenness and even in my hurt, I will keep going. And God, you've called me to do this hard thing and I can never give up. Could you imagine if Mary would have given up? God, I, I can't do this. God, you made a mistake. Why am I the favored one? Couldn't it have been somebody else? Please hear me, man. If God has called you to do a hard thing, it is not a mistake. No matter the brokenness, no matter the mistakes that we make, God never makes mistakes. He did not make a mistake with Mary. He knew from the beginning of time there's going to be this virgin girl betrothed to a man. Her name is Mary. He knew all this. Church, you got to trust the plan. You got to trust the plan. Come on, we want to pray with you this morning. I want to have Renee pray. All heads bowed, man. No one's looking around, man. If you're in this place and you're like, man, this really... I believe God is truly calling me to do a hard thing, or maybe I'm in the middle of it and I really just need to keep going. Maybe I'm in the middle of this and, and, I, and, and I feel like I'm broken and I feel like I'm a mess, but I know God's calling to me, but man, there's a point where I want to just kind of give up on this, but yet God's called me to this, but I want to give up on this, but God's called me to this. I pray that today is a day, a day that you realize, no, God's called me to this and he's never made a mistake. I need to just keep going. Would you just put your hand in the air real quick, please? Just hold it up in the air. Come on. Hold it up in the air all over the place. That just Renee would pray for you today. Men and women to say, God, you've called me to do a hard thing and I will not quit. You've called me to do a hard thing. And even in the hard thing, there's times of pain and there's times of sorrow and there's times of grief. God knows all that. You think he doesn't know that? He knows all that. He knows what he's called you to. He will see you through. Church, he will see you through. Even in our brokenness, he will see us through. Come on, I just want Renee to pray with you. Come on. Amen. One thing that when I was studying, just I felt the Holy Spirit just say, you know, do they see broken Renee or surrendered Renee? And that was a lot like how, you know, just with my kids, like, are they going to see broken Renee or surrendered, Holy Spirit-filled Renee? And that is my one thing that, I am just devoted that I am surrendered, Renee. And I just want to pray for you too. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you are calling people today to yourself. I just pray for those who are just unsure of their salvation, that they don't know Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would open their, their heart, Lord, that, God, you would just work in their heart and reveal yourself to them right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they can repent and turn from their sin. They can confess the Lord Jesus. They can confess him as Lord and Savior, and they shall be saved, Father. I pray, God, that you will draw them in, that you draw them in today, Father God, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Father, that you would, by your miraculous power, by your Holy Spirit, present here today, Father, that you would reveal that to them. And Lord, I just thank you for every single person, every part of this body, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have a calling and a purpose, Father God, that we abide, we abide by you, Father, that we are close to you, Father, so that you're able to reveal what it is, Father, the calling that you have for us, Lord. What is that specific thing, God? We thank you that our identity is in you, Father, that we focus on that, Lord, that we know that by your stripes we were healed. We thank you, God, that you are moving all across this place, Lord. We thank you that you will do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. And we just thank you and praise you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen, amen. Listen, you are just if anybody needs prayer for any reason, man, we'll be up front and would love to pray with you. Ladies, it's going to be a great night. Come on, we'll see you uh, at Ladies Night Out. Come on, amen.